Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Soroka, you look so good in Boca Peralta, Manoa, Balsak, Ferrer, Nola Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Mosu, Sinto Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on May 26th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scotty Dub, Scott White, and Chris P. Towers. Today on the show, is Michael Conforto back? Let's find out. Time to have our yearly Aaron Nola conversation, Week 10 sleepers, <laughs> two-star pitchers, and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. A little behind the scenes before we actually get into the show here. Kokomo Friday starts playing. I look at what Chris is doing. He's dancing. Look at what I'm doing. I'm dancing. Scott's just there like scratching his forehead. Blowing his nose. <laughs> He's just like not interested. Not in it at all. Wait, you guys can see me? Because <laughs> I can't see you. I just yeah, see a countdown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's we got we got we got that admin access, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly no. it, Scott. So always got my eyes on you, Scotty. <laughs> it was great. Okay, it was. Yes. yes, I was. I was taking the opportunity to clear my throat, and I'm sorry you guys had to witness that. <laughs> it's totally fine. Anywho, let's get. Oh, into why it. don't I see you guys? Oh. You don't have that admin access, baby. Okay. I can give it Fair to you, enough. Scott, but then that means there's more of a chance of you producing a show one day. So I don't no, think you don't want that's it. That's a power. <laughs> I pass. I pass on admin access. All right. Well, let's get into it. Can you believe it? Wow. Wow. Scott, let's start with you. Player of the night. Good or bad? Is that what we're called? Player of the night now? Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness gracious, player of the night, right? Something like that. Okay. I'm going with Aaron Nola. Mm. I, he didn't actually make me say, oh my goodness gracious today, but... Apparently, he, the start was a source of great consternation for people. So let's let's talk about it. Aaron Nola did not have a particularly good start against the Braves. It's worth noting a high-powered lineup. They powered up against him. They hit three home runs in his six innings of work. So in, in all, he allowed five runs in those six innings. Uh, and the home runs have been a problem this year. His home run rate after this three homer game, is, it's home runs per nine is up to 1.4, which you'll remember two years ago when he had the ERA over four, home runs were also an issue then. His home runs per nine that year were 1.3. So now after this game, the home run per nine rate is actually a little worse for Nola this year than during the bad year, the one and only bad year that he's had. So that is... That is concerning. At this point, though, it's looking like the only concern because for a while there, he was Nola was kind of going through the same thing as as like Corbin Carroll, uh, not Corbin Carroll, Pat Corbin Burns. <laughs> he was going through the same thing as like Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole, where the the K per nine was way down, the swing strike rate was way down. Last two starts though have been great as far as that goes. He had ten strikeouts 
in his last start. In this start, he had seven strikeouts in six innings. He also had 20 swinging strikes. So the stuff was there. The Braves just got a, got a few hard hits off him. And so the final stat line was suboptimal. I think he's trending the right direction. I had faith in him coming around anyway, just because, as you mentioned at the top, Frank, every year it seems like we go through this with Aaron Nola where, uh, oh, no, what's wrong with Aaron Nola? And except for that one fluky season, he always does come around. The final numbers always look great. And uh, I wouldn't be worried about him. I think think there are bigger – I think there are other pitchers, high-end pitchers, who you should be more concerned with. Dylan Cease, and, Shane and, Bieber, then Aaron Nola. That's the thing about home runs, right? Is like you could pitch really well. Let's say you throw a hundred good pitches. There are a hundred pitches. Ninety-seven of them are good, and three of them are bad, and you can have a bad start. And so it, it's one of those. And I'm not saying that's actually how the breakdown happened with Aaron Nola. There have been. You know, the the strikeout rate is way down, career low 21.3% right now. Uh, whiff rate on all of his pitches pretty much is way down, but especially the curveball down to 27.7% from 39% last season. So it's not to say that there are no, there's nothing to be concerned about with Aaron Ola, but I generally agree with Scott. Like, if I'm not concerned about Corbin Burns, really, you know, if he's still a top 10 pitcher for me, I can't really in good faith be concerned about Aaron Nola who has, you know, doesn't have the velocity drop off that Corbin Burns does, doesn't have the, you know, second half of last season concerns. So I, I, I don't really have much to be concerned about with Aaron Nola. Like Scott said, the, the things that were concerning the strikeout rate and the swing strike rate, mostly trending in the right direction over the past couple of starts. So I think in this case, it's just, even for really good pitchers, the margin for error can be really, really slim against this Braves team. And specifically for Aaron Nola, he usually winds up with ace-like numbers. He doesn't kind of do it the same way that other aces do. He doesn't have like mm-hmm. the big fastball and you know these gaudy swinging strike numbers. And, and sometimes it's kind of a rocky road. But at the end of the season, more often than not, you, you kind of wind up with like that low to mid threes ERA and a bunch of strikeouts and a really good whip and probably a, a lot of wins because he has a great offense behind him too. So it's kind of rocky, but by the end of the season, I, I, I think we'll probably just have Aaron Nola numbers. To put it another way, it's kind of a rocky road, but at the end of the day, you still get ice cream. Fair enough. I was thinking about ice cream too when he said Rocky Road. <laughs> yeah, I saw you smiling. Smile. I figured that's where we were going. <laughs> I like ice cream. Oh man, you know, I had I really like chocolate fudge brownie, the Ben and Jerry's, and I had it the other day, but like the brownies were not good on the inside and the ice cream wasn't expired. So I don't know what was going on. It was weird. It was, I, like, Take it up with Ben and Jerry's, Frank. I, I really was, I need to. Yeah. I was I, I was annoyed. I've had a similar experience the last time I had Ben and Jerry's. It was disappointing. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what eat it was. Ben and Jerry's. I go for the big containers. They don't, they don't make a big container. So I never. Nah, I love, I never love just digging in with a. Because you got kids. You can't like, you know, you can't let them see you eating ice cream out of the pint. Right. That's oh, that's a bad oh, no. look. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I, I thought you meant you couldn't let them see you eating ice cream without giving them ice cream. Yourself. Oh, no, no, no. Like, oh, no. I do that. Oh, yeah. Time. That's yeah, withholding. <laughs> I am. I you am can't. the alpha dog here you can't uh you can't let them see you with the bad habits like eating the ice cream out of the pint so that that's probably why i don't got kids my who cares if my cats see it you know (laughs) well your cat can't see anything you showed us beforehand he's just like face down passed out in your desk i don't know what's going on it's adorable anyway chris oh my goodness gracious for you uh let's do alex faedo who about this time last year i remember there was there was some Moderate levels of, I don't know if excitement is the word, but interest. Let's call it interest. And he looked very interesting today. Uh, 18 swinging strikes, 10 strikeouts, and seven innings. It's the White Sox. They do that kind of thing occasionally. But 11 swinging strikes on 17 swings with the slider. That is a 65% whiff rate. That is a massive, massive number, uh, even for one start. And, you know, he, the slider, 42% whiff rate coming into today. It's his only pitch with a double-digit whiff rate. So, you know, 
not necessarily dominating overall, but that's been when he's been interesting. It's been because his slider has been really good. He's showing some, you know, very small sample size, but some interesting quality of contact suppression skills so far. I think the likeliest outcome is Alex Fayeto is probably not even relevant in your 14 team leagues, but this was the kind of performance that I think you just, you have to take note of. For yep. Alex Fido, two starts ago, he had a he had 12 swinging strikes as well. And I was kind of interested after that because he was facing the Nationals last week. I actually picked him up in a 15-team league and started him. He was bad against the Nationals. I drop him. And then here you go. He goes out and has this awesome start. Uh, but if you're thinking about adding him, look, I think deeper leagues, sure. I mean, we're desperate for starting pitching in like those 15-team roto leagues. The problem is Alex Fado faces the Rangers next yep, week, who are one of the best offenses in baseball, especially against right-handed pitching. So uh, I am interested uh, entering the start. The slider had a 42% whiff rate for Alex Fado. I don't know that there's too much actionable yet, but you're right, Chris. Let's just watch it. Scott? Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. I, I will remind everybody that we did kind of go through this with Alex Fado. It actually lasted seven starts last year. He had a 292 ERA. And then it all collapsed on itself. He did uh, have a hip injury that required surgery that he tried to pitch through. I don't know how much, you know, whether that was part of why he he struggled from that point on. But that's just yeah. worth pointing out. The the slider for the this very small sample has played even bigger than it did during that stretch, though. So, you know, so I I agree. Something to monitor with Alex Fido. Uh, he hasn't had. You know, he hasn't been particularly dominant in the minors. So ultimately, I'm betting against it, but it's something to monitor. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious for me. Let's talk about Michael Conforto, who the guy is pretty hot right now. He went four for four on Thursday, hit his 11th home run of the season. He had three hard hits in this game, two over 108 miles per hour exit velocity. Really just loud contact, too. I was building the rundown. I usually have games on to the right of me and like, watching them out of my peripheral vision. I heard one of his batted balls and it was like, like just smacked it. And I was like, Whoa, who hit that? It's Michael Conforto who hit that. Uh, in the month of May, he is hitting 273 with seven homers. A 931 OPS has severely lowered his strikeout rate compared to April. He's 64% rostered. So it could be out there in some uh, three outfielder leagues, some shallower formats. He's got six home games next week as well. And, Scott, a little uh, sneak peek, but I know that you do like Michael Conforto next week as well. Yeah, the Giants have are one of the teams, one of the five teams with the best hitter matchups next week. So Conforto, as hot as he is right now, and let's see, it's last 14 games he's batting 370 with seven homers. As hot as he is right now with those favorable matchups and the fact he's available in... A certain number of leagues makes him a sleeper hitter for next week. I think there's a chance this could be the start of him returning to being like a top 30-ish outfielder in fantasy. He wasn't very good when we last saw him in 2021. But I would believe he was already dealing with the the shoulder issues that ultimately led to his surgery his last season in, in 2022. If uh, if memory serves, I'm just relying on memory for that. But, um, you know, obviously prior to that, he was considered a fairly high end fantasy outfielder. So this may be the start of something. I can't say for sure that it is. But outfield is a position in need for a lot of people. So it's not a bad idea to take a flyer on him. And I think he has a better chance than, for instance, somebody like Marcelo Zuna who himself has a chance. Of course, we've seen him be great in the past. It's been a lot of fake outs since then. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Marcel, Ozuna had another big game on Thursday, went two for three with his 10th homer. Eight of those have now come in the month of May, where he's batting 343 with an 1167 OPS. Ozuna is 24% rostered, also on Scott's sleeper hitter list. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But six games next week with three of them coming against Oakland A's pitching. So anytime you can get that, uh, I think it's pretty enticing there for Ozuna. Chris, who would you rather have, Conforto or Ozuna? I, I, they're really kind of similar in that they, they've both had big upside in the past and they've had like their peaks and their valleys. Who would you rather have moving forward? 
I think it's reasonable to think that they might be fairly comparable players moving forward. I would pick Conforto, but even if I didn't think Conforto was going to be better moving forward, just the fact that he's 64% rostered and Ozuna's only 24% rostered means that people are buying into Conforto a lot more than they are with Ozuna. So if both are available, it's an opportunity cost thing. And then I think there's a much lower chance that Conforto is going to remain available moving forward than uh, Ozuna is. So if for no other reason, if they're both available, you should prioritize Conforto. I have no idea how to tell if this could be legit for Ozuna. You know, because like I said, there have been there have been fake outs the past couple years from him after that amazing 2020 short season where he was the number one outfielder in fantasy. And, and like, OK, I look at his stat cast page. Oh, everything looks pretty good. He's, you know, high quality of contact. It's not like he's striking out a crazy amount. But it that's always been true the good. last yeah. two years, too. You know, he's, he is he has dramatically underperformed his expected stats during this whole run where he's been terrible. And and so, like, hey, I don't know how to, how to explain that. That's been part of the frustration over the past couple of years. B, I don't know how to explain what's different now. That and, is a – that's a thing with Marcelo Zuna, though. Over the course of his career, he's underperformed his expected Woba by 21 points. Um, and – Really, outside of 2020 and 2017, he's underperformed every single season during the Stackcast era, which we're now on nine seasons. And you're, you're talking about 24 points, 13 points. Uh, skip forward a couple of years, 31 points, 42 points. Like, it's been pretty massive underperformances. There's, there's, you know, as someone said on Twitter today to all of us, sometimes Stackcast doesn't capture every player. And there is something about Marcelo Zuna that has just not allowed him to live up to expectations. Even just within this season, I I started to get a little bit excited about him toward the end of spring training because he was batting 315 with an 854 OPS this spring. Oh, maybe he's figured it out. Then (laughs) comes April of the regular season where he hits... Uh, let me see if I can. He's just, so he's batting 091. I'm sorry, 085 at the end of April. 085. Okay, clearly the spring was just a fake out. And then comes May. He's batting 343 with eight home runs. So I, I have no idea. I mean, it's it's to the point where the Braves are playing him every day. And so I, they're going to ride it as long as it lasts. And I, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that approach in fantasy, especially with the matchups the Braves have coming up next week, but you don't want to get too comfortable. Yesterday, we kind of waxed poetic about Riley Green. Scott, I'd like to get your thoughts on him because I, I think he's kind of in this mix. He's more rostered than Michael Conforto, but he has also had a great May. He went two for three with two walks, a run, and an RBI on Thursday. He had a batted ball, 110.7 exit velocity, and so far in the month, 385 batting average, three homers, three steals, a 1045 OPS. I know that the Tigers are on your uh, worst hitter matchups for next week list, but uh, with what Riley Green is doing, would you put him at the top ahead of Conforto and Ozuna? Uh, no, I, I learned a long time ago that it, it almost never works out when I put a team with bad matchups, a player from a team with bad match, a hitter from a team with bad matchups in the sleeper hitters. What about and, just and, for know, like rest of season though? Like not just for next week? Oh, yeah. No, there's a lot of upside there, and he's hitting the ball very hard. He's striking out a lot less during this hot stretch. Uh, certainly, I think it's about 22% of the time. Uh, 22% of the time since April 24th, during which he's batting 350. And uh, this could be the start of him breaking out. It took a lot longer than anybody expected. I had him, I did, I wrote a dynasty stock watch article at the end of April and I had him as one of the five fallers in, in terms of dynasty value. And he's quickly regaining that value. I mean, I, I don't think he's quite back to the point where he was when he got called up last season, this top five prospect of baseball. But if he continues down this path much longer, then he's, you know, he, 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 he may well, live up to that high standing. We'll see. We'll see. But he's trending the right direction. Again, that is Riley Green. Let's stick with the Tigers here because 
They do have some interesting players like Spencer Torkelson picked up two more hits in this game. He's quietly having a solid May. He went 284, uh, batting 284 in the month, two homers, seven doubles, and he's hitting the ball hard this year. His expected numbers do look pretty good. Again, that's Torkelson, 44% rostered. Akil Badu went two for three with his second homer. This is more of, you know, very deep league stuff. He's 3% rostered. He's now batting 257 with two homers and four steals. Just two years ago, Akil Padu hit 259 with 13 homers and 18 steals. And his plate discipline, his quality of contact is much improved so far this season. Chris, any thoughts on uh, Torkelson and Akil Badu in, in much deeper leagues? I like Torkelson much more. Uh, I'm pretty impressed by what he's doing so far in the month of May. Um, you know, you, you read the stats off, right? 280. Yep. Uh, not hitting for a ton of power, only two homers in the month of May. So that's a little disappointing. But, you know, you look at the expected stats, expected ISO 174. That's a decent amount higher than his 130 or 129 actual ISO. So I think you can expect some regression there moving forward. It's not necessarily to say that he's going to be the 30 homer guy that we hoped he would. But he's hitting the ball in the air. He's hitting the ball consistently. He's cut the strikeout rate. He's doing a lot of the things that you want to see prior to a breakout. And so, you know, whether that breakout is going to come or not, I feel a little more confident in Riley Green because the quality of contact's a little better. But uh, I, I like both. I think Torkelson at 44% roster feels a little low to me. I don't know who has Torkelson in the Skyway Dynasty League, but I keep sending offers and they just don't respond. Either they really don't like these offers or they're just not trading Torkelson or, or they're not paying attention. Who is it? I don't Should know. Should we call them out by name? Nope, don't do it. Don't do it. You might have to do it. But I, I, I would like some... Light I, a fire under them. I even emailed this person, I think, and I didn't even get a response. I'm like, come on, man. I, w- I want some Torkelson in my life, but... Whatever. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Giants coming up. We spoke about Conforto. Lamont Wade and Casey Schmidt are doing some interesting things as well. In five outfielder leagues, TJ Friedel, who we spoke about earlier this season, he returned recently from injury. He went two for three with a walk and his fifth steal in this game. And uh, he's quietly batting 321, three homers, five steals on the season, 26% rostered. Randall Grichuk went three for five with a double and two runs scored. He's batting 342 with one homer, one steal, and 868 OPS in 19 games so far this year. Only 18% rostered, seven road games next week for Colorado. So, you know, not as interesting as playing in Coors Field. Uh, Scott in five outfielder leagues. Who would you rather snag up here, TJ Friedel or Randall Grichuk? I, I mean, I guess I have to say Friedel, just given how productive he's been, you know, both before coming off the IL and he seems to have picked up where he left off. He brings an element of speed, obviously a favorable home park. But I am interested in, in Grichuk, who, uh, you know, last year we think of his first year in Colorado as a disappointment. And I guess it was, but he did what he was supposed to do in Colorado itself. He hit uh, 307 with an 851 OPS in Colorado and obviously is is off to a great start this year, both home and away. He hasn't gotten as consistent. The playing time hasn't, has been, hasn't been as consistent as I'd like, but he has now started six of seven and um, Brenton Doyle. Uh, had to be carted off today. Doesn't I, I think there's er, early optimism that that's not such a serious injury, but there was also a report that Nolan Jones is being called up from AAA on Friday. Kind of interesting. A, a corner man in both the infield and outfield, so pr- presumably that's in anticipation of a Brent Doyle IL stint. So how does that affect Grichik? Well, I mean... You'd think that would give him more job security, except how much do they want to play Nolan Jones? Because Chris mentioned it, kind of interesting. Nolan Jones at AAA this year, former former, former Guardians prospect, yeah, 356, 12 home runs, 5 steals, and 1193 OPS. The numbers started out ridiculous. They've been getting more ridiculous. And uh, this is actually coming from Baseball America. I don't, I don't know how they find these numbers. I don't know how to find them for minor leaguers, but specifically Nolan Jones has gotten a lot better against breaking balls this year. It was a problem for him in the past. He's hitting him better this year. So it's not just like he's hot. He's, he's improved a, a, a flaw that he had. Now that's playing a triple a Albuquerque 
which is a mile above sea level where breaking balls don't break as much. You know where else is a mile above sea level? Exactly. Colorado, same thing. So I don't think that's necessarily something we have to worry about for Jones. It's just a question of how motivated are they to play him? Because he was up earlier this year, four games, didn't get a single at bat. So I don't know. I know you were just asking me about Randall Gritchick, <laughs> and I gave a whole long spiel about the Rockies. Uh, I, it, it's a playing time issue for Gritchick, and and ultimately, I'd rather see Jones get that playing time. All right, let's take our first break, and when we return, I've got deeper league hitters. Jake McCarthy is being recalled by the Diamondbacks. We'll talk about all that right after this. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back, and make sure to follow us all on Twitter if you haven't already, at CBS Scott White, at CTowerCBS, at Roto underscore Frank, and for the podcast, it's at FBT Pod, where I always tweet out when we're going live and the link to the audio podcast, so yeah, make sure to uh, follow us all on Twitter. Some deep league ads, players that are uh, making some noise, Brandon Belt went one for two with two walks and an RBI, he is batting 377 in the month of May, only one homer. 1047 OPS only plays against right-handed pitching, but the good news is the Blue Jays play six games all against righties next week. Yuli Gurriel had nine hits in three games at Coors Field. He is now batting 299 with an 800 OPS. Trent Grisham went one for three with a sock and a shoe, his fifth homer and his first steal, still batting just 194. And Rugned Odor, what's dead may never die, went two for five with a home run, five RBI that's back-to-back games with multiple hits and a home run in each Chris, do any of these names matter in deeper leagues? Brandon Belt, Yuli Gurriel, Trent Grisham, and Rugnet Odor. Probably not. I, I think, like, I don't know. Yuli Gurriel, I guess if he keeps hitting 300, the Marlins might be inclined to play him, but I don't think he's better than Garrett Cooper. Uh, just an incredible stat. He had a triple yesterday and today. He's one of three players with triples in consecutive games this season. He's never had more than two triples in a season. I think it was his first time with multiple triples in a season since like 2019. So that was fun. But no, I don't think any of these guys matter otherwise. You know, Belt, he's crushing righties. So if you're in a daily lineups league, he's got like an 850 OPS against righties. He he can be useful there. Grisham not doing as well against righties, obviously, but it's it's still an intriguing skill set if he can ever, you know, figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before the break that uh, Jake McCarthy is being recalled by the Diamondbacks and Dominic Fletcher has been sent back to AAA. McCarthy. What, in- did, do, huh? what did Dominic Fletcher do to deserve that? I feel like he's been cold like his past. I don't know. Yeah. OK. Week of he's games had a five game stretch where he's only gotten three hits or something like that. But like he's still batting over 300. And just deserves got defense. nothing to do with it. <laughs> <sighs> Scott, you must have picked Doesn't him up in NL only, huh? That's that's why you're. No, I picked him up uh, in like some of those fifteen team five outfielder leagues. Like, oh, I I did too. Outfield stretched thin. I picked him up in my main event league. I picked him up in NL labor, so I'm pretty invested in Dominic Fletcher. Picked him up in the Scott White dynasty league, so uh, yeah, pretty bummed to see him get sent down as well. But Jake McCarthy does come back to the Diamondbacks with a decent amount of upside. Of course, we saw it last year in 99 games with the team. He hit 283 with eight homers and 23 steals. He truly was one of the league winners down the stretch last year. And in 22 games since being sent down at AAA, hit 333 with four homers, four steals, a 952 OPS. 20% rostered is Jake McCarthy. I think, Scott, he kind of fits into that TJ Friedel, Randall Grichuk, five outfielder, you know, Roto League kind of mix. Uh, would you take McCarthy ahead of both of those names? Yeah, I, I, I think I would. I think so too. I, I, I mean, the upside he showed last year is more than we've seen from Grichuk in a long time or Friedel ever. So I think I would, especially if speed is your main emphasis. Would you take him ahead of the other group? Any of those names? Riley Green, Conforto, Marcelo Zuna? 
I don't think I would do that. No. I mean, I could see taking him over Ozuna if that's the one specifically you're chasing steals, but it's it's a close call. All righty. I wanted to mention that uh, heads up on Sunday. We won't be live because of Memorial Day weekend, but Scott and I recorded a, uh, a fun podcast breaking down all the players who are off to slow starts this season and what to do with them. Little sneak peek. We kind of talked about Austin Riley and what happens. He, he went out and hit two home runs on Thursday. So, uh, you know, that might be a little outdated by uh, by Monday, by Sunday you night. spoke Monday it morning. into existence. There you go. Uh, we also spoke a lot about Aaron Nola. So uh, be on the lookout for that. It'll go live on YouTube Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So if you want to watch it when it comes out, uh, you could do so. The podcast will show up in your audio feed Monday morning, and then we'll be live once again Monday night, breaking down the long weekend of of baseball. Let's get into some other, I guess, questionable starting pitchers. What do we do with these guys? Starter sit moving forward. Alec Manoa, he stunk once again. It was at Tampa Bay. It's, you know, the best offense uh, against right-handed pitching so far this season. Only lasted three innings, gave up five runs. Four of those earned five more walks, six strikeouts. That was good to see for him. Uh, didn't allow a ton of hard contact. His slider was actually solid in this one. It had five whiffs, a 36% CSW, but again, like no pitcher is going to succeed five walks and three innings pitched. Uh, the walks are up to 6.4 per nine this season. Chris, your latest thoughts on Alec Manoa and uh, do you start him next week up against the Milwaukee Brewers? No, of course not. <laughs> I think I'm not dropping him yet, <laughs> but you, of course you can't start him right now. There, there's no... There's no sign of him figuring him things out. And, you know, I, I did my big rankings update today and I moved him way down and honestly, probably not far enough down for anyone's liking, including potentially my own. I moved him to 40th at starting pitcher. I think most people listening think he should rank 400th. Um, and maybe he should. I don't know. I can't. How many times are we going to have this same conversation on the podcast? I can't give you any affirmative reason to believe Alec Manoa is going to turn things around. It's just players with his track record, even a relatively slim track record like his only a year and a half before this one tend to figure things out eventually. And I believe Alec Manoa will figure things out eventually. There's nothing I can point to that shows that he is figuring things out. Although the slider playing up today uh, is a promising sign because that's been an issue for him most of the season. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. We don't know what. We don't know if it'll happen. We don't know how it'll happen. But it's baseball is such that very small changes can make a very big difference. And it might be uh, a pitching coach spotting something in his delivery or Manoa himself spotting something on film. And like, oh, I'm doing this wrong. And then he changes it and suddenly everything's fixed. Like just like just as quickly as the switch went off, it could switch back on. And again, I have no idea if that's going to happen, but I know if it does happen, then the upside is huge. Yeah. There, there is a chance that he will have that light switch moment. And from that point forward, Alec Manoa is an ace again. And you'll be glad you held on to him if that happened. Uh there may come, and obviously that could happen at any point during the season. Having said that, there may come a point this season where I can no longer justify waiting for him, but I think it's too early for that. I think that's going to be more of a mid-season thing where you're you're just having to play for the short term a little more because we're running out of time. I, I think you can still, I, at least looking at my own teams, I can just afford to stash Alec Manoa on my bench in the hope that he does have that light switch moment at some point. I think the same thing could probably be said for Blake Snell, who was at the Nationals on Thursday. He allowed one run over five innings, pitched four more walks, did have six strikeouts in this one. He's at the Marlins next week, but surprisingly, the Marlins are really good against lefties. They are ninth in weighted on base average. Uh, Scott, I'm assuming we bench Blake a, Snell next week. That's a big turnaround from last year where the Marlins were just... <laughs> Jorge Soler, I saw during the game today, currently has the best home run per at bat rate against lefties in a season in major league history. Now, obviously that's 60 something plate appearances, but uh, that's a big part of it. He's crushing lefties right now. Yeah. He's single-handedly bringing the Marlins up. 
Uh, you're asking me about starting Snell against the Marlins yep. next week? No, no. I'm I'm really tired of Blake Snell. I think I <laughs> talked about this after his last start because he did have a light switch moment each of the last two years. But I'm tired of him always having to need that moment and and, and not being able to use him until it happens. And of course, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen this year just because it happened the last two. I wish uh, if I had him right now, I wish I never drafted him because. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can do with them, but just wait, yeah, or or give up, and and then potentially you're you're letting them fall into somebody else's hands. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out one of my one of my towersisms that I love going with every time. With like we do this every year with Blake Snell, and people get mad at Blake Snell, and they're like, Blake Snell's so frustrating. I'm gonna say it again. If you go outside on a sunny day and you stare at the sun and your eyes hurt, that is your fault. That is not the son's fault. Okay. If you draft Blake Snell and you get frustrated by the two month stretch that he has every year with a five ERA, that is your fault. You knew what you were getting into when you drafted him. He has always been this guy. That's all. Well, actually, I, I yield my time. For, for the, at least for the third year, he's been this guy. I, I was going to say, Chris, it might not be the drafter's fault. It might actually be my fault because I, I told people to draft Blake Snell. So uh, I do apologize. And uh, yeah, basically what you said about Manoa could be applied to Blake Snell. We don't know when or if he's going to turn it on. Last name here is Lucas Giolito, who was at the Tigers and uh, had a really terrible start. Three and two thirds innings pitched, four runs Seven walks tied a career high to four strikeouts. Uh, he'd been so great in terms of the control this year and limiting walks. And of course, it all comes tumbling down in this one. Did allow seven hard hits, 94 mile per hour average exit velocity. Scott, I kind of thought that Giolito was back in the circle of trust and maybe oh, he yeah. still is, but it's <laughs> against just, the Tigers. It's frustrating, man, against the Tigers. Do you start him next week up against the Angels? They're 12th in Woba against righties. I mean, it depends, you know, it depends what your options are. I'm, I'm obviously not excited about doing it now. I'm, I'm not going to say I for sure wouldn't because I know some leagues I don't have enough pitchers to choose from to to not start Giolito. He entered this start with a 362 ERA, 112 whip. Everything was trending the right direction. I don't, I don't really know what happened. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it an aberration when it's an isolated event like this. Let's hope it doesn't become a trend. All right. Well, let's get into some news and notes before we hit the break. Max Freed played catch on flat ground Thursday. The initial expectation was that Freed would miss a couple of months, but he might be ready to return sometime before the end of June, assuming everything goes well. Again, that's, you know, an assumption. We don't know for sure. Uh, Padres manager Bob Melvin said he doesn't expect Manny Machado to be ready for activation from the IL. When first eligible on Friday, he remains out with that small fracture in his left hand. Logan Webb, who was initially lined up to start Thursday, will instead instead start Saturday against the Brewers. He'll get a few more days to recover from that lower back soreness. Tyler Glass now is listed as the Rays' probable pitcher Saturday against the Dodgers. That will be his season debut. Liam Hendricks will throw live batting practice Friday and seems to be on the brink of activation. John Carlos Stan is hoping to begin a rehab assignment early next week. There was some talk that it could, could have started this weekend, but uh, I don't know if it was a setback or anything, or maybe they're just giving him a few more days rest, but yeah, you got to wait a little bit longer for Stanton. Jose Alvarado will throw another bullpen session Saturday. If all goes well, he'll move out to live batting practice next week. Anthony Rendon is not expected to need a rehab assignment before returning. He's yet to take batting practice, but went through agility drills on Wednesday. Gavin Stone will make another start this Sunday at the Rays. You should not start him there. Hassan Kim was carted off the field after fouling a ball off his knee. X-rays came back negative, and the hope is he'll avoid the IL. Brenton Doyle was also carted off the field after crashing into the center field wall while attempting to rob a home run. Early indication is that he suffered a knee contusion. Eh, they said that he, they hope he avoids the IL, but as Scott pointed out, you know, Nolan Jones promotion that 
Doesn't sound too good for Brenton Doyle. Derek Hall could start a rehab assignment early next week. He had surgery April 12th to to repair a torn ligament in his right thumb and could be activated as early as June 5th. The Cubs officially released Eric Hosmer on Thursday and Randy Vasquez, who is uh, the number 12 prospect in the Yankees organization, will make his Major League debut on Friday against the Padres. And, uh, you know, up and down minor league career so far this year, a 4.85 ERA, a 1.57 whip. So I don't think there's much there. Chris, I saw that you rostered him in the Scott White Dynasty League. I don't know if you have any takes on big, Randy Vasquez. Big, big moment for me in the Scott White Dynasty League. No, I he's someone that scouts still like a decent amount, probably more than the results should make you think but yeah he's kind of fallen on hard times since getting the high minors uh 390 era or worse at double a and triple a across three parts of three seasons so expectations should be low but we've seen guys have mediocre minor league numbers and then come up and impress in the majors you know guys in the minors it's we we talked about this we talked about it a couple weeks ago on one of the pods but it's always hard to tell when someone's struggling in the minors because they're just not good versus when they're working on something specific that makes it hard for them to put up good numbers. And maybe this is a situation where the Yankees don't care if the results are good at, you know, Winston-Salem or whatever. Like, what is, where are they, their AAA team? Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Scranton, Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. That's right. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, expectations should be fairly low. All right, let's take our final break. And when we return, we'll get into our Week 10 preview here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Welcome back, and let's get into our Week 10 preview. We'll start with the schedule for next week. Eight teams have seven games. That includes the Diamondbacks, the Red Sox, Guardians, Rockies, Astros, Angels, Twins, and Rays. 20 teams have six games next week, and two teams have five games, the Royals and the Cardinals. If you're looking for the Rockies, they have seven road games next week, four at Arizona and three at Kansas City, so no taking advantage of Coors Field. Start or sit these fringe two-start pitchers for next week. We'll start with Kodai Senga, who's going up against the Phillies and the Blue Jays. Scott, what says you on Senga? I think I'd leave that for points leagues. He's done a pretty good job of preventing runs, uh, but he's going to kill your whip, especially with those matchups. So I I think points leagues only for Senga. Domingo Herman, in his first start back from suspension, is at the Mariners and at the Dodgers next week. Chris, what do you think about Herman? I would prefer not to go with him, especially we don't know how much the sticky stuff was helping. The results have been pretty inconsistent, but there's going to be heightened scrutiny. I, I would probably try to avoid it, especially in my Roto Leagues. JP France has... Been mostly good for the Astros so far. He's going up against the Twins and the Angels. Scott, what do you think about France? No, I don't trust him. I have him in the no thanks section of the two-star pitcher rankings. Okay. And Chris, I find it appropriate that you get to talk about Yusei Kikuchi because I feel like you're always talking about Yusei Kikuchi some way, somehow. He's going up against the Brewers and the Mets next week. Worth noting that both of those teams are uh, bottom 10 against left-handed pitching this season. That's because they haven't faced Yusei Kikuchi yet. (laughs) Uh, I think that answers the question, right? Look, he he may have two good starts. He'll do that occasionally. His stuff is pretty good, but the ERA is back up up over six again now. I think it's over five now. Yeah, like that's that's pretty much what happens with Yusei Kikuchi. He'll have a oh only four five six. The FIP is four eight five eighty three. Yeah, I just. He might have a couple good starts, but there's no reason to think that it'll happen this week. You know, I bring him up because he's still 81% rostered on CBS, right? Like he's RP eligible, right? Yes, he is. So I think that that explains a decent amount of it and he probably won't get dropped. And look, if you're in a, in a league where he's RP eligible and you play with points, I'd probably rather start him than someone like Kyle Finnegan next week. Yeah, I think that's fair. But in most cases, I think uh, you probably want to stay away from Yusei yes. Kikuchi. Scott, some two-star pitchers to add and stream for next week. Who you got? Pretty good group here. Michael Kopech. Got to start with him. As if we haven't talked about him enough. His matchups next week are Angels and Tigers. Lately, 
Lately, though, he's just looked like a dominant pitcher regardless. Tigers, of course, make for a great matchup. Uh, so are you uh, are you somewhat buying into Kopech now, Chris? Is, is that what it, you were getting at earlier? Uh, I am deeply, deeply skeptical of him. He's a one-pitch pitcher, I think, but that pitch... Looks really, really good over the last two oh. starts. Talking about his forcing fastball, he's starting about 70% of the time in those right. two starts. Right. Uh, I I think the likeliest outcome is Michael Kopech will be bad moving forward, but I There's think you should, more. you should certainly days ago when I was anywhere. on with you, you were saying yes. he's definitely bad. So you're yes. you kind of <laughs> softened that stance a little. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right, so Michael Kopech is one. Bobby Miller coming off an impressive debut against the Braves. He's lined up for two starts this week, one against the Nationals, other against the Yankees, which isn't so great, but uh, it could be a really good week for him. Brian Bayo, who's been on a nice run, he gets the Reds and Rays. A lot of the two-star pitchers this week is one good matchup, one bad like that. Um, Bayos in that category as well, but he's at least good at putting the ball on the ground. So hopefully the Rays don't knock him around too badly. Logan Allen at Baltimore at Minnesota. Minnesota's bad against lefties, so that makes that a better matchup than it might otherwise seem. And Cal Quantrill, if you're just looking to to, to, to sneak in an extra quality start. He's usually pretty good at delivering those. He has those same matchups at Min- at Baltimore, at Minnesota. Probably leave him for points leagues, Cal Quantrill. Mm-hmm. But he's usable. Yeah, we'll dedicate that one to my dad because, uh, yeah, he'll start any two-star pitcher at any point. Doesn't matter. But, yeah, that's uh, that's Cal Quantrill for next week. Single-star streamer, Scott. It, uh, uh, this, this group is a little bit more uh, interesting. That's the word that I'll use. Yeah, uh, James Paxton gets the Reds, and it is in Boston, which is better than being in Cincinnati. He has given up hard contact, and it came back to bite him in his last start. But for the most part, I've been encouraged by the way he's looked coming back from Tommy John surgery, and that's a favorable matchup. Grayson Rodriguez. This might be the first time I've recommended Grayson Rodriguez as a start all year. He's going against the Guardians. Worst offense in baseball. Uh, worst OPS against right-handed pitchers, which is what he is. And so if there was any time when Grayson Rodriguez would rise to the occasion, you would think this would be it. They do Miles, not strike out much against righties, for what it's worth. They're, they're last in WOBA uh, against righties, but like the third lowest strikeout rate against righties. I was looking up that up the other day. Yeah, they got some contact hitters in that lineup, so I guess that makes sense. Miles Michaelis, he had a good start here on Thursday, and he's been on a good run lately in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I'm not back on board Miles Michael Miles Michaelis from a season-long perspective, but he is a hot hand play right now. 198 ERA in his past six starts despite a high average exit velocity and a low strikeout rate. And he's at Pittsburgh, and really cold offense right now. So I think he makes for a decent streaming choice. Edward Cabrera, never know what you're going to get from him, but against the A's, it could be really good. Could be a lot of strikeouts. And Brandon Fott, scary play, but the Rockies anywhere other than Coors Field are a favorable matchup. Should Edward Cabrera's new nickname just officially be Box of Chocolates? Because you never know what you're going to get. Hey, if you like. One or f- one or zero walk, I think, in three of his last four. So, you know, the other one was a six-walk start, I think. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes up for all the good. Uh, let's get into the hitter side of things. Best hitter matchups for next week, the Marlins. So if you, held, if you picked up Jorge Soler for this week, just enjoy the ride next week as well. Yep. Uh, number two, Braves on that list, and then the Rockies, Brewers, and Giants, the worst hitter matchups, Yankees, Tigers, Angels, Astros, and the Reds. With that being said, it's got your top sleeper hitters for week 10. So I just want to point out, you mentioned the Rockies have the third best hitter matchups. They are facing weak pitchers in a seven-game week. So uh, that's why I put them there, but they're on the road. So I, I, I'm not actually recommending any Rockies hitters, even though I'm saying they have favorable hitter matchups. It's just kind of a weird, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? A paradox. It's a paradox. Okay. Uh, so the Giants have the fifth best matchups, as you pointed out. Five of their six games are against righties. Lamont Wade, I think, should always be starting pretty much unless there are a bunch of lefties on the schedule, with which there clearly aren't. 43% rostered, that seems insanely low to me. Uh, against righties, he has more walks than strikeouts, so even in shower points leagues, I think Lamont Wade makes for a good play. We mentioned Michael Conforto. Uh, lower down on the list, same team though, J.D. Davis. He's not playing as consistently as he was earlier in the year, but he's playing enough that hopefully he can take advantage of these good matchups. Higher on the list, Marcelo Zuna, who we've talked about a lot today. I also have Orlando Arcia represented from the Braves in their second-best hitter matchups with that series against the A's. Uh, you mentioned Marlins. By the way, unfortunately, Jorge Soler is now too rostered to qualify for the sleeper hitters list, so that's the only reason he isn't here. Obviously, you should keep starting Jorge Soler, but you should also start, or at least consider starting, Brian De La Cruz, who remains hot and will hopefully take advantage of the matchups that also include a three-game series against the A's, just like the Braves. The Twins are not among the teams with the five best matchups, but they do have good matchups in a seven-game scoring period. Six righties on the schedule. So I think Edward Julian and Alex Kirilov both make for decent plays. You'd figure they'd be better against righties and be more likely to play against righties being left-handed hitters. Uh, Owen Miller. Brewers have the fourth best matchup. He's a hot hand. Don't really buy it, but... He's eligible almost everywhere and is hot right now. And Kyle Farmer, if you need another versatile guy, he's cooled off a bit, but the overall numbers still look good. And as I mentioned, the Twins have good matchups. Scott, I would like to submit a write-in vote. Is that okay? Okay, sure. Casey Schmidt, 49% roster. Yeah. So he was one of the four rejects, but ah. then he had a big game here on Thursday. I might swap him in for Kyle Farmer. It's close enough. Do it. Uh, new yeah. addition to the preview, something we did last week, is uh, where should we use Otani next week as a hitter or a pitcher? I think more often than not, it will probably be decided by your team context, whatever you need more, pitching or hitting. But, Chris, let's just say, you know, you can use both. Do you need hitting or pitching? Um, next week, Otani is at the Houston Astros as a pitcher and as a hitter, seven road games at the White Sox and at the Astros. Do you have a lead yeah, on hitter or pitcher? There are some tough matchups in there, but I'm I'm going to go with him as a hitter. I don't think like Houston's actually not a particularly tough matchup for pitching at this point, but I I would lean towards using him as a hitter. All right, let's wrap up with uh, some other waiver wire pitchers who pitched well on Thursday. Kyle Gibson had a great start at the Yankees. He went seven shutout with three strikeouts and over his last four starts since getting rocked at the uh, Royals. He has a 252 ERA and a 124 whip. That is Kyle Gibson. Braxton Garrett had a decent start in Coors Field. He went five innings, two runs, three strikeouts with 15 swinging strikes on 82 pitches. Carlos Carrasco had his best start in quite some time. He was at the Cubs. He went six and two thirds, one run allowed, four strikeouts. Velocity was up around a mile per hour on his fastball and his curveball in this one. He, he changed the pitch mix quite a bit, too. In this start, he went heavy changeup, um, used his curveball a lot more as well. That is Carlos Carrasco. J.P. Sears had an okay start at the Mariners. Five innings, one run, only one strikeout, uh, only three swinging strikes as well. Yeah, it was kind of a fluky start. Uh, Chris, how do you rank this group? Uh, you know, do you actually have any interest here? J.P. Sears, Carrasco, Garrett, and Kyle Gibson. I don't have much interest in any of these four fellas. Um, <laughs> I think Gibson is for the most part, just a streamer at home. I know he's had two good starts in a row on the road, but the underlying stats and peripherals are all generally pretty bad. 45 expected ERA. So I would not be uh, running Kyle Gibson out there unless it was good matchups at home versus Cleveland next week counts. So I think he's actually a decent one start streamer for next week. Um, Braxton Garrett's probably my favorite of this group. He's, Actually been quite good outside of the one 11 earned run start. So uh, if I have to use, if I have to add one of these guys, it's Braxton Garrett. Scott, I've do, noticed do I have Garrett that? Is, Go ahead, Scott. I've noticed Garrett is doing something different 
during the last three starts in particular that have been, I think it's three best all year. And that that's rely on a cutter a lot more. It was the most thrown pitch in this mm-hmm. game Thursday. And so I'm wondering if that's helping his slider to play up because when he got hot last year, it was mostly about the slider. And uh, maybe the cutter pairs with that better, and that's why we've seen better results from him recently. He's going to have to start working deeper into games. Braxton Garrett, I think, if 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 he's if he's actually going to become a real fantasy asset, but there there are reasons to believe he's on the right track. Yeah, his his fastballs are pretty poor, um, so it could just be a, as simple as you know trying to find something that he can throw relatively straight for strikes consistently that doesn't get hit quite as hard. Although the cutter actually has a very good whiff rate this season as well, thirty percent. Scott, I don't know if you have all the pitching matchups in front of you, but do I have this correct? Kyle Gibson at home against the Guardians? Because that's what CBS had written down. Is that what you have? Uh, yes. Okay. So then, yeah, I, I do like that matchup quite a bit for uh, Kyle Gibson. We know who he is. He's not like a great pitcher or anything, but the Guardians are an even worse offense than uh, Kyle Gibson is a good pitcher. Some deep league names. Julio Tehran. A blast from the past. He is back, and he started for the Milwaukee Brewers on Thursday. Actually had a solid start. Five innings, one run, five strikeouts to one walk. He had seven swinging strikes on 83 pitches. He averaged less than 90 miles per hour on each of his sinker and his four-seam fastball in that one. Luke Weaver. I did get some requests on Twitter to uh, sing the Luke Weaver song. Uh, Do either of you want to do that? Luke Weaver. Perfect. Luke Weaver. Great start up against the Cardinals. Six and a third shutout. Three hits, one walk, six strikeouts in that one. Very deep league names here, Scott, but uh, anything that popped out for Julio Tehran or Luke Weaver? No, it's too early to get excited about either of them. The thing about pitchers is, you know, they, they, have, to, they have to be a minimum amount of good to matter even in deep leagues. Like, there is a certain depth of pitching I won't bother with, no matter how deep the league is. And I think they're both on the wrong side of that right now. You know what What made me actually say, oh my goodness gracious? Was I saw somebody tweet that Julio Tehran is only 32 years old. Oh my God. And I went and verified, and that is yeah. somehow true. Uh, I looked that up. I actually looked up how old he was when I saw that he pitched today. And uh, had the same thought. He's had he's a lengthy career. his 12th year. Yeah. 13th year. That's wild. I mean, he, he's like tied. Uh, I'm going to get this stat wrong. Duran Braves opening day starts. And yeah. Obviously, he's, the Braves have had a lot of great pitchers in their history. And he's like tied for the record for most opening Yeah, I think he has six starts. or seven. Yeah. <laughs> that is... Crazy stuff there for Julio Tehran. Uh, Kyle Hendricks made his season debut, his first start in 11 months following shoulder surgery. He wasn't great up against the Mets. Four and a third, five runs allowed, three earned runs, five strikeouts to two walks. Did limit the hard contact, which is good to see here. Um, mostly the same pitch mix that we're used to. 19% rostered for Kyle Hendricks. He's home against Tampa Bay next week. There's no way no that you're way. starting him, but I don't know, Chris. Any kind of... Uh, a spec ad here on Kyle Hendricks. I'm more interested in him than Julio Tehran. <laughs> okay. If uh, you can f- damn with faint praise. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think, but you'd probably take him over Graham Ashcraft, right? <laughs> that was the one that you just like dunked all over the other day. Uh, I, I would probably hang on to Graham. I would not <laughs> drop Graham. I, I'm fine with dropping Graham Ashcraft. I don't think Kyle Hendricks would be the guy I would do it for. Right. Uh, all right, a few right. left. Here's this, here's this very important stat that everybody cares about. <laughs> Phil Negro, eight opening day starts for the Braves. Greg Maddox, seven. Julio Tehran, six. Third most. There you go. Braves history. There you go. A few leftovers here. Uh, we mentioned earlier, but Austin Riley had a uh, double dong. He went two for five. He's now up to nine home runs. He had two batted balls over a he- 110 miles per hour in this one. Pete Alonzo had a huge game. He went two for two with two walks, a sock, and a shoe. His league-leading 19th home run, his first steal. It was the back half of a double steal, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. Pete Alonzo is now on pace for 62 home runs, one year after Aaron Judge did it. Coincidence? I think not. 
The Rays ran wild against Alejandro Kirk. Randy Orozarena picked up his sixth steal. Uh, Wander Franco picked up two more. He now has 17 steals on the season. Luke Rayleigh, not really uh, you know, the fastest in the league. He also had two steals. Taylor Walls also had two steals. Now up to 11. And Scott Sleepers continue to dominate. We mentioned Jorge Soler went three for five with his 15th home run. Third straight game with a homer. Elias Diaz went one for four with his sixth homer. Has three homers in four games so far this week. One pitching leftover. I wanted. Eh, I guess we could talk about both of them. Uh, two names here: Zach Eflin. Seven innings of one run ball, zero strikeouts. Just kind of interesting up against the Blue Jays. And Logan Gilbert was amazing up against the Oakland A's. Eight innings, two runs, six strikeouts with fourteen swinging strikes on seventy-seven pitches. I'm a little upset that the Mariners didn't let Gilbert just close it out, go complete game. I mean. 77 pitches after eight. Why not? Let, let him go for it. Um, but any thoughts here? Uh, Chris, Zach Eflin, Logan Gilbert. Gilbert looks awesome. His uh, swing strike rate on his curveball is way up 36%. That new splitter that he's throwing also up to 36%. Uh, splitter looks really good as well. Certainly passes the eye test when he throws it. And that was what we talked about before the season was you know, Gilbert was going to have to develop one or multiple of those secondary pitches into legitimate swing and miss pitches for him to live up to his potential. And that's what he's done. You know, the four seamer and the slider right around where they were last season, both in usage and in results. Uh, but the curveball and splitter growth has helped him take a big step forward. I'm, I'm pretty impressed by him. In the words of NSYNC, bye, bye, bye. On Logan Gilbert. Call to the bullpen. Some updates here for the Cardinals with Ryan Helsley unavailable. What, well, Scott? It kind of works. Well, I know they're saying like, the bye they're bye. singing is kind of the opposite version of the bye you're singing. I know, but I think it still works. No, it's a play on words. Well, it's conf- it's a confusing message as well. That's fine. Do not drop Logan Gilbert. I am t- <laughs> I am telling you to go out and acquire him. Buy B-U-Y. him. B U Y. Yes, that is not the buy that we're looking for. Call to the bullpen. Some updates here for the Cardinals. Ryan Helsley was unavailable. Giovanni Gallegos recorded the final four outs for his fifth save of the season. For Tampa Bay, Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks were unavailable. Colin Poche recorded the final two outs for his first save of the season. For the Marlins, Dylan Floro entered in the eighth with a runner on first and the game tied at the time. He gave up three runs on a walk and four hits which meant uh, a four-run lead for Pierce Johnson in the ninth inning. Well, guess what? He gave up exactly four runs on two homers to Jorge Soler and... Garrett Cooper. Garrett Cooper, yes, that was the name I was looking for. Um, I know that the velocity and strikeouts are way down, but like the surface-level numbers have been much better for Daniel Bard than Pierce Johnson. Uh, do you think they go to Bard at some point? I don't, I don't know. I, ha- I haven't seen them use Bard even in... A, a, a high leverage non-closing situation. Mm-hmm. Like they, they've they've been taking it real easy with him. So I don't know. I, I, it doesn't seem like they can keep they can sustain this with Pierce Johnson because he just doesn't. He's not good. But I don't know. They have they've shown no indication of switching back to Bard. For what it's worth, Bard over the last six appearances has eight walks to seven strikeouts. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not helping. No, it is not. For the Nationals, Kyle Finnegan entered in the eighth with a one-run lead. He struck out three. Hunter Harvey got the ninth. He allowed a three-run homer to Rugned Odor. Took his fourth-blown save and second loss of the season. For the Padres, Josh Hader struck out two for his 13th save. For the Orioles, Felix Bautista was unavailable. Yanir Cano got the ninth inning. He allowed a run, but picked up his fourth save of the season. He also allowed his first walk of the year. One walk in 26 and two-thirds innings for Yanir Cano. He has been awesome. For the Braves, Rysel Iglesias picked up his fourth save. And for the Mariners, Paul Sewald picked up his 11th save of the year. To stream or not to stream, let's get into Friday. And scrolling up and down here, Matthew Libertor at the Guardians. Oh, Friday yeah. is good. We Friday. talked about this yesterday. Friday is good. Yeah, Reed Detmers against, although they are good against lefties. I still think it's okay. Detmers against the Marlins. Yeah, Louis Varland, okay. I don't mind, even though it's a not great matchup against Toronto. I l- 
Matthew Libertor against Cleveland. I like it's it's a pretty good day for streamers. The Brewers are really bad against lefties too. So if you're feeling frisky with Alex Wood, <laughs> go out and try that one on for size. Um, Brewers are 29th in Woba against left-handed pitching this season. <laughs> on Saturday, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, ugh. <laughs> Decidedly less interesting. <laughs> I remain very interested in Garrett Whitlock, but I probably would not start him. Uh, I think Edward Cabrera against the Angels is probably the best streaming option here. And even yeah. that, like we talked about earlier, don't actually know what you're going to get from Edward Cabrera. Not great. Uh, I think Rowanzi Contreras at the Mariners and Michael Lorenzen versus the White Sox are decent lower end kind of plays, but not much confidence. Yeah, we got burned with Lorenzen earlier this week, but true. That's it's either him or gamble on Edward Cabrera. I think not great. Yeah, don't stream on Saturday. Do it. Do it on Friday instead. On Sunday, Dane Dunning at the Orioles, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, tough matchup, obviously, but he's come through against other tough matchups so far. Tanner Houck at the Diamondbacks. I know you like what you saw yeah. recently from Houck. The Diamondbacks, yep. Diamondbacks offense is really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'd put him, I'd rank Houck behind Dunning, but he's probably my second choice here. Mm-hmm. And I don't like Marco Gonzalez against the Pirates. Like, I don't know. It's all right, but. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. Go with Dunning or, or Tanner Houck or skip Sunday as well. Just or nobody. <laughs> stream every stream everybody on Friday. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.